Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Metail brought to you from Flywheel Digital. Mastering Metail is a masterclass series covering everything you need to know about the world of e-commerce. This episode is part of our season covering e-commerce in Asia, and it's another two-parter, but covering Southeast Asia this time. So make sure to listen to part two, which you will find next in the feed. I'm your host for the series, Emma Irwin, and in this episode covering Southeast Asia, we'll learn about the market anatomy of e-commerce in Southeast Asia, as this is a new geographic region that we haven't touched on yet, and we'll cover the market trends that need to be understood in order to succeed on Southeast Asia's key marketplaces, Lazada and Shopee, such as characteristics of the different countries, internet penetration, mobile apps, payment, delivery, social commerce, and more. And then we'll get more technical in part two. To kick us off, let's meet our guest for this episode from our brand Intrepid. I'm Jasper, um, CEO of Intrepid. Intrepid is based all across Southeast Asia. Company started in 2017 in Vietnam, but headquarter has been in Singapore since 2018 because Singapore acts as sort of a hub for Southeast Asia where most of the brands and most of the e-commerce marketplaces have their regional headquarters. So that's a natural fit for us. And what does Intrepid, it's kind of hard to describe what a company does in one sentence, but what does Intrepid do? Intrepid is a so-called e-commerce enabler, as it's called in uh, in Asia. We support brands with navigating, I would say, the omni-channel e-commerce landscape in Southeast Asia. We do that across three businesses, e-commerce, marketing, and tech. Basically, that means we can run a brand's e-commerce across marketplaces, across their brand.com, across social commerce, anything from strategy to execution to uh, marketing to all the data and insight and analytics that they need to, to be successful. Perfect. For every guest on this podcast, we usually ask where or what the last thing they purchased from Amazon is. But I'm actually going to take a step backwards and ask you, where do you most often shop online? where you live? Oh, that's a, that's a very political question. Oh, no. No, <laughs> no I think it, it depends. Different platforms have different strengths. So it's a mix of, of Lazada and Shopee uh, for general online purchases. If you have more specific niche hobbies, then you'll, you'll probably find that um, the assortment on, on a marketplace like Amazon um, is, is more suitable. So it's really a mix. So there, Amazon does exist in Southeast Asia. In Singapore. In Singapore. Okay, what is the last thing that you purchased from Amazon? A remote-controlled boat for my son's birthday. Oh, <laughs> Did he like it? Yeah. Well, actually, it's, it's going to be delivered on, on Friday. His birthday is Saturday, gotcha. so I'll let you know. That's funny. I remember, like, in school for projects, we would have, like, a plastic bottle, and you would cut out the top and then put some, like, clay in it to see if you could make it float to learn how boats float and now we just we should have had remote controlled boats would have saved us a lot of crafting okay one last thing before we really get into it is i'm gonna ask the question now but we'll come back to it at the end mm -hmm. it is just something on your digital wish list which means that it lives in a cart you just won't actually purchase it but we'll come back to it at the end if that sounds good all right Ooh, good question Yes. The first thing Amber said, which was really funny, she was like, well, I always have hundreds of things in all my carts. How do I pick one? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll check my card as we speak and see, see what's there. Perfect. 
All right, let's really dig in here. We've covered everything China so far, but let's start out with understanding what the market anatomy looks like for e-commerce in APAC, and then specifically Southeast Asia. And what are even the marketplaces that exist? I think in general, it's probably good to dissect APAC or Asia a bit in different clusters. China has a very distinct landscape. Then you have Japan, where Amazon and Rakuten are the, the largest platforms. Korea, which is, is unique in terms of a very homegrown ecosystem, both marketplaces plus also search and social apps. Australia and New Zealand, where Amazon and eBay are the largest platforms, so much more like the West. And Southeast Asia, where Lazada and Shopee are the two largest marketplaces, but your Google, Facebook, etc. is much like, uh, like the rest of the world. Also very, dis very different geographies in terms of, of uh, metrics like GDP per capita, what consumers care about, things like that and growth. So Southeast Asia is, um, is a fairly rapidly growing region, around 600 million people in the six countries where Lazada and Shopee is, are active, with um, some countries classified as developing, but in general still high GDP growth, which makes it a very dynamic and, and interesting region. So it's six countries, four languages, uh, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, and the Philippines. That's where most of the e-commerce efforts uh, focus in, in Southeast Asia. And um, Lazada and Shopee are present in all six countries. Then you have Tiki also in Vietnam. You have Tokopedia also in Indonesia. And then there's a host of other marketplaces or social chat or e-commerce channels in the different countries. So it's really an omni-channel environment, which makes it quite challenging for, for brands to navigate and maintain a, a presence there everywhere. Quite interesting to know is that a lot of these key marketplaces are fully or partially owned by Chinese players, Alibaba and Tencent either directly or through intermediaries control most of the the e-commerce players in Southeast Asia. So also the marketplaces really follow the the Chinese model are very like Tmall. Interesting. Do you think if they weren't kind of backed by China would they be any different or does like the Southeast Asian consumer behave in a way that it makes sense that they're backed by China and operate similarly? Yeah, I think it does make sense. There's a couple of, of underlying digital trends which are quite similar in, in Southeast Asia versus China, which are probably different from Europe or from the US. Jasper mentioned digital trends, which we'll get to in a bit. I first wanted to know how those big factors such as GDP and internet penetration look across the six different countries of Southeast Asia and how these elements might impact e-commerce in these countries differently. I think Singapore is, is by far the wealthiest country with the highest GDP per capita followed by, so Singapore is around 50,000 US dollar per year per capita. Then I think Malaysia is second, usually in the 10 to 15K a year range. Thailand, which is around half that, and Indonesia, uh, Philippines, and Vietnam are around the two, two and a half, three thousand dollars a year range. So much, much lower on average. I think some of the things this drives is the assortment that you see happening on, on marketplaces in, in Southeast Asia, where the low price points are in super high demand. That means that there's a lot of 
Chinese sellers, a lot of cross-border sales happening into the region. And the, the branded goods section of the marketplace, which is a separate part of the app called Mall, Lazada Mall, Laz Mall, or Shopee Mall, is smaller. And obviously in countries with a higher disposable income, there's more demand for branded goods. Luxury goods still in its infancy. Uh, it has taken quite a bit of time for the population to embrace, to trust also online shopping as a channel where you can buy premium products. And I think you still see some challenges with that trust because of the anatomy of the marketplaces where it's not like Amazon where you have one buy box, but there are many sellers that sell the same products uh, or similar products um, and they all have their separate listing. So this makes battling fakes uh, also more challenging and that, that ultimately leads to what consumers are comfortable to buy. In general, the consumers are quite similar across all countries. It's quite interesting. The, the origin stories of Lazada and Shopee are, are very different. So Lazada started focusing very much on urban consumers. Electronics was a big category in the early days. And when Shopee started, they chose exactly the opposite approach. They burst onto the scene with an offering of mostly beauty, fashion products, targeting younger female buyers, uh, low price points, and very much targeting the, the rural demographics, so subsidizing shipping to make it very affordable and attractive for them to um, purchase on Shopee. But over time, let's say Shopee is now aggressively trying to court the male electronics buyers and Lazada is looking to expand their, uh, their female categories. So there's a, there's a big convergence happening on, on that front. Jasper just mentioned something really interesting in there. Well, a lot of interesting things. Did you catch what he said about the buy box? Competition for the end sale on these marketplaces doesn't happen on the PDP, rather within search results or product grids because all of the different sellers will have their own listings. This of course also happens in the West, but challengers usually want to be bidding for the buy box on a brand's main listing over here. Next, continuing our discussion on consumer behavior and trends in Southeast Asia, I asked about payments and delivery speeds, which are two of the most important elements to the shopping experience on Amazon in the West. So payment methods has been a rapid evolution, I would say, but, but coming from far. So if you look at the adoption of, or penetration, I should say, of credit cards and bank accounts, that's quite lagging in, in most countries in Southeast Asia where with lower GDP per capita. Credit card penetrations around whatever, low single digit or, or, or low double digit percent, bank account penetration of 30, 30, 40% maybe. So there was a lot of friction with the, in the early days of e-commerce in the, in the payment area, which was solved by uh, cash on delivery. That's a, a payment option that is very, very popular across Southeast Asia, um, especially in the early days where you order online and you, you actually pay cash on to the courier as he delivers the product to, to your house, which removes the, the trust barrier of consumers of, hey, if I, if I pay money, will I get the actual product, right? Because it's a fair transfer uh, uh, of value and an exchange at the same time. Um, however, it, it does lead to high operational costs um, and it does lead to higher cancellation rates. So I think what we've seen lately is that 
e-wallets have really risen as a, as a, and displaced, I would say, cash on delivery as the largest uh, the largest percentage share of payments online. So people are still able, even without a bank account, to put money on a, on an e-wallet, and that's become really popular. On the delivery front, it really differs per country. Singapore is the smallest country, so should should by all rights and the most the most wealthy, the most developed, so should be the mo- the quickest. However, that's not the case. It's really so. I think if you look at, at at Southeast Asia in terms of geography, it's super diverse. Singapore is is a a country uh, for, of of I'll do it in miles of forty by uh, by twenty five miles in terms of distance. So it's like a big city in the U.S. And then you have Indonesia which has over 10,000 islands spanning uh, an enormous distance. So logistical challenges in delivering e-commerce parcels are also significant in, in larger countries. I think Vietnam is noteworthy for being pioneering in delivery speed. Um, in Vietnam, there are so many motorcycle delivery drivers or riders like the in Indonesia, you have Gojek, but this this is really a very popular mode of both transportation and logistics, and that enables them to offer a two-hour delivery in the three major cities in Vietnam. So that that's quite remarkable. That's uh, no one else in Southeast Asia can hit that, I would say, and that's very popular. One of the leading marketplaces in Vietnam, Tiki. One point over a quarter of their total orders were for these two-hour, it was called Tiki Now uh, delivery. So that's really something that the consumers loved. Interesting. I'm still thinking about Singapore being that small of a <laughs> yes. area. <laughs> it's a city-state with five and a half million people. Yeah, that, that's crazy. We've got one more area to cover in this Southeast Asia overview episode before we dig into the e-commerce specifics. So we know that Asia has been a first mover and leader when it comes to social commerce. And it's been confirmed so far that social commerce is a super important element of commerce in China. But how has social commerce developed in Southeast Asia? Oh, it's it's difficult to capture in one uh, or to summarize in in one quick snapshot. There are some country-specific apps. You have Line in Thailand, you have Zalo in Vietnam, uh, Viber is popular in the Philippines. Like Those are all WhatsApp equivalents. I think social commerce for us we would categorize in two buckets. One is uh, conversational commerce, and that is basically um, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, all the different uh, regular social media channels where through partners, we can offer a chat-based checkout and shopping experience. So Instagram, you see something, you engage into, uh, you you click on an ad, you engage in, in, in a chat dialogue, etc. So that's one, but it, it's obviously a bit more clunky because those platforms are primarily designed to entertain, to engage, and not to serve as a shopping checkout. I think a lot of noise lately about uh, TikTok, in, in, uh, also in the US, quite a sensitive political topic between uh, China and the US. In Southeast Asia, TikTok is incredibly popular and, and going through a meteoric rise. And the interesting thing about TikTok is that in terms of shopping experience, they've built so 
there's the, the, for a long time already, there's been this convergence between e-commerce and social, right? Where social is trying to implement more shopping elements, uh, yeah, Facebook shopping, et cetera, or Facebook marketplace. If I look at at least marketplaces in the East, they have a ton of entertainment and social features. More about that later. But TikTok is really like a new platform, which was conceived from the beginning to straddle both worlds, e-commerce and social. So it's it's a social stream with a built-in native shopping environment. And it's, it's, it's really amazing. In countries like Vietnam, people are using TikTok to search for which restaurant they're going for dinner, are using it to, to figure out things like this. What we see is that it's, it's not really cannibalizing the existing marketplaces, uh, maybe only in ad spend, but it's a fundamentally different consumer journey, right? If I'm looking to buy something, I will open a traditional e-commerce app. But on TikTok, if I'm browsing, I'm scrolling, I'm engaging with the content and there, oh, I see something I really like. Oh, that's a brilliant product. I really like that. Oh, it's such a, it's such a nice influencer, such an engaging live stream. Okay, click buy, check out, go. So that, that's something that has, um, in some countries we see, we see TikTok. It's not for all categories. It's obviously quite popular in, in beauty, fashion, uh, home and living, a few few areas. Smartphones as well, doing very, very well. And we see in some countries that TikTok already rivals the, one of the, the top two largest marketplaces in the, in the more traditional sense of the word. So also the, the marketplaces tried to push live streaming as, a, as an engagement channel early on, did not really take off but we think that TikTok is really the channel where where live streaming will find yeah mainstream adoption in Southeast Asia it's also hugely popular in China obviously interesting i'm learning more and more about TikTok and all of cuz we for China we covered doing and how that from day 1 cuz i was talking about how TikTok over here they don't really have that like native e-commerce experience. I do believe they're building it out, but also consumers in the U.S. and probably partially Europe as well just don't go to social yet to kind of really discover products and actually make a purchase. You still see a TikTok and then go look and see if you can get like a better deal on something or find it on Amazon for cheaper. That's kind of how we go about things. But it's interesting that TikTok in Southeast Asia does have the e-commerce capabilities built in and it's been successful. And brands over here are just now really thinking about ramping up ad spend in terms of TikTok and other social platforms, where I'm sure that's more established in Southeast Asia. Yeah, I, th- I think draw the parallel with uh, TV home shopping of old, right? Where you, you zap past, you see a product, it gets demonstrated, it triggers your curiosity or your desire and uh, you, you, you decide to buy there and then. It's very much that consumer journey. And this wraps up part one of our e-commerce in APAC masterclass covering Southeast Asia. We've covered the market anatomy of e-commerce in Southeast Asia, the market trends that need to be understood in order to succeed on the key marketplaces, and the major economic and social factors impacting e-commerce. Head over to part two, where we go deep into the differences of e-commerce elements between the East and the West, and where we'll of course end with Jasper's takeaways for brands looking to succeed in Southeast Asia and what's on his digital wish list. I've been your host, Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Enos Tenji. 
Thank you to Jasper Nobin for his help in teaching us about Southeast Asia, and be sure to not only check out part two of this topic, but also every other episode in our Apex series, as well as every episode of Mastering Me Tell ever. See you next time.